Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Welcome to Talking Business, a podcast produced in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is available on the Acast app, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. I am Leon Gittler. My job is to review and monitor the week's news in business, finance and economics. I bring it all to you every week. This is episode number 37 in our series for 2018, and today's date is Friday, October the 26th. First, I talked to Anson Wang, Managing Director of JobStore, an online recruitment and human capital management site operating across Southeast Asia and Australia, with a customer base spanning across Australia, USA, UK, Singapore, China and Malaysia, and which is now listing on the ASX. And then I talked to Indeed economist Callum Pickering, analysing Australia's latest unemployment figures. They're now at 5%, the lowest in years. But the picture is more complicated than that. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But first, let's talk to Anson Wang. Anson Wang, uh, tell us about JobStore. I mean, you're a site where employers can post ads for jobs recruiting uh, on uh, using classified ads, social media. Tell us about it. Well, JobStore is a, a posting platform which uh, connect to more than 50 job sites in the market. So once a client posts a jobs on JobStore, we actually distribute the job up to 50 job sites with a single posting and single price. So we actually help clients to reach the maximum job seekers. And this job store, it's based not only in Australia, but it's based overseas. You were launched in New York. 
2013. Yeah, we launched in New York. We have uh, tried a number of business models in different countries. Eventually, we realized that that business model is a perfect match for Southeast Asia markets. So that's why we launched in Malaysia and we expanded to a regional. And we have clients uh, from ten different countries, including Australia. What are the other countries?、Uh, Australia, Malaysia, Singapore, Philippines, Hong Kong, U.S., you know, China, and U.K. A few other European countries. Yes, that's that's quite extraordinary. Now, now I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I mean, there's a whole lot of job sites around. I mean, there, there's LinkedIn, obviously. In Australia, you've got Seek. You've got Monster.com in America. What is JobStore's distinctive model? How does it, what makes it distinctive compared to these sites? Because、um, every single job site in the market,、uh, give an example in、uh, Australia, Seek.com,、uh, clients post jobs on Seek.com. The jobs stay on Seek.com. It doesn't expand to any other job sites. But if you post a job on JobStore.com, that job. Can post up to fifty jobs, I, which save a lot of costs for clients, because most of the clients, if you want, if they want to expand the database or potential job seekers, they have to post on multiple job sites. But every single job site you post, you have to pay.、Right. But on job store, you just pay once, and you have you don't have to post on every single job site. Job store has linked to all the fifty job sites. So the job will be automatically distributed within five seconds. What sort of response have you had?、Uh, interns.、Uh, well, from、uh, from employers. I mean, how many? How how popular has it become? We are.、Uh, you know, we just started in、uh, three years、uh, in Southeast Asia,、uh, operating a business, and right now we have more than six thousand clients. And as I we just talked, we have clients across ten different countries. Yeah, that will be wonderful for a three-year company, and our revenue growth every year two hundred percent. Two hundred percent. Yes. Growth every year. Yes. That's extraordinary. That's not fast enough. That's why we want to do a ASX listing, and we are going to introduce a more exciting business into the market, which is the AI software. Well, tell us about well. First, tell us about the technology, and then we'll talk about the ASX listing. Yes. What kind of technology is driving this site? We、uh, implement a number of technology, but the most important one is the artificial intelligence technology. So, can you imagine, for example, you post a、uh, jobs on fifty job sites, you will probably receive like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand applications. But how can you go through every single applications? That's almost impossible. So we actually develop a technology based on artificial intelligence. So we help clients to minimize the qualified applications from two or three thousand applications, only left maybe five or ten. So employers only need to focus on the five or ten qualified applications. They don't have to go to every single two thousand or three thousand applications. Is this proprietary software? Yeah, using that's that's every our clients using right now. But but this software is is a software you designed. Yes, we hundred percent design in house. So tell us about this ASX listing. I mean that's very exciting.、Uh, we I mean for, usually we talk to people. People ask, yeah, why you do ASX listing? We actually want to enter the Australian market. 
we are not intend to bring the drop posting business in Australia, but we want to bring the AI software business in Australia, which we can see a big potential in the markets. Australia is a such exciting market for companies like us in the extra industries. We see a big potential. So we have already found the prospectors, and the prospector has gone through, and ASS already uh, put our name on the uploading on the websites, and our target listing will be 5th of December. And what sort of price are we talking about? Uh, the offer price is 20 cents. You say you, you, you're more interested in uh, bringing the software to yeah. Australia, yes. which is why you're listing. Yeah, yes. Can you explain that? Uh, the software, actually, we, we have developed the, uh, the full end-to-end human capital management software using an artificial intelligence technology. So the number of modules are very uh, interesting and very unique in the market, which is including like human resource planning and workforce analytics, recruitment, payroll compensation, training, and another few other modules. So the... Interesting part, give example, let's say uh, we do a recruitment, as I mentioned just now. You know, the AI technology can f- help companies to filter applications, right? So the another interesting part for the AI technology is, for example, the payroll. The software actually can give a prediction on the payroll every single month, every single quarters. So companies, they, will, they should know that oh, yeah, how much I need to spend on the employee cost for next month, next quarter, and even next year. So this is a very uh, interesting and very powerful tools for companies to manage their cash flow. And what makes it so interesting too is that you could actually license that software out to other companies. Yeah, we license to the software to every single company that we're talking right now. And also- which, which provides you with another revenue stream. That's that's a that's the future of job store. That's the future of job store. That's why we choose access to lease. Right. So the future of job store is, I mean, you've got one business as a job placement. Yes, one business with a positive cash flow. That's right. And the other and business is licensing your software. Yes, we have launched the software uh, earlier this year in uh, Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, we have already secured seven companies are using our softwares. This is in Malaysia and Singapore? Yes, already. yes. What so, kind of companies? So companies like uh, uh, Konica, yeah, like uh, a few other big companies in Malaysia, for example, uh, Marmi, right. like uh, uh, Malaysia Garment also using our software. Uh, one of the Garment called uh, Malaysia MCMC is a Malaysia, is controlled by Malaysia Communi- Communication and Multimedia. Right, so... And you, have you had discussions with Australian companies here? Yeah, we have. Uh, actually, we have received uh, four inquiries from Malaysia companies. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of discussion. And have you had discussions with Australian companies? Yeah, that's uh, four Australian companies. Four Australian companies? Yes. And so, they're ver- so they can see the potential to use that further? Uh, yes, definitely. I would say uh, our software is quite a potential in Australian market. So where do you see the future of JobStore? Uh, the future of JobStore, I mean, basically, we are more focused on the uh, technology side. We are not just providing a service. We provide the technology to all the companies and all the enterprise. And it's also possible that we will expand and launch the business to Australia and ASX platform, to U.S. market, to European market, and even a Chinese market. 
Can you see yourselves listing on the U.S. market and Chinese market as well? Uh, once we have, uh, how to say, we launch the product in Australian market, we we can quickly launch in U.S. and European markets. But that would, would that would, 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 what I'm saying is would that also involve stock? Ah, uh, no, no. We will be focused on ASX. Only on the ASX. Yes, we want to become a next, you know, unicorn of ASX listed technology company. So why did you choose the ASX instead of say the New York Stock Exchange? Uh, the reason is because we want to do business in Australia. And it's nearby to, you know, uh, like uh, our operations currently in Malaysia. Neighbors. It's very convenient. Yeah, yeah. And and Australian people are nice and friendly, Yeah, which we love. Yeah, a nice country. Right, right. And Australia, and, and the, the point is that Australia's proximity to Malaysia makes it ma- ma- much more makes it much more sense. Yeah, po- yes, possible. Yes. So how many people does JobStore employ? Currently, for we have 80 people. And it's about 50 people working on the job posting business. It's another 20 over people working on the AI software. Right. So are you planning to move further into technology? Any other plans for further technology developments? Yes, we, uh, we intend to uh, raise money through ASX. And the money we raise on ASX will 100% invest in the local market in Australia. So we intend to set up a team, a developer team in Australia. That's the future plan, and we can enhance the technology based on the Australian's uh, specific requirements. And how well do you know the Australian market? Uh, we, we have, I have personally spent a lot of time to study the market, and we also appoint a number of advisors on that. So we have uh, engaged with quite a number of people in the markets. Well, Anson Wang, it's going to be fascinating to watch Job Store, and congratulations. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And now let's talk to Indeed economist Callum Pickering. Callum Pickering, the uh, latest figures for unemployment are good, 5%. Uh, that's the lowest in six years. Yeah, that's right. It was a surprising result. Um, most market economists expected maybe a decline of 5.2%, but it jumped down to 5%. Um, it was an odd result, though, because it was largely driven by unemployed people um, stock. They stopped looking for work. This is a participation rate. That's that's right. So and uh, that that uh, that went down from uh, sixty five point four. That's uh, down from uh, sixty five point seven, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so again, that that was quite a, a surprising result. Participation rate has been quite strong recently. Well, that means uh, it's the figure is somewhat less than real than it appears. Yeah, that's right. Normally, we'd be far more optimistic about an outcome. Um, so the unemployment rate falling to 5%. Um, but this time, because it was largely driven by declining participation rate, it was um, a less solid result. One of, the, one of the factors that, I mean, why it's not necessarily such a good news story is that uh, for a lot of people, they're still struggling with low wages and stuck in part-time work. But uh, the full-time work actually rose in these figures, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Full-time employment was actually quite strong. It was up by around 20,000 people. It's accounted for around um, two-thirds of employment growth over the past year as well. So that's certainly a a very positive um, number. It does point to um, an ongoing improvement in the labour market, which hopefully will translate into higher wages in the future. Right, right, right. But, I mean, how far down the track is that? Well, that's the million-dollar question. Um, Policymakers have been promising higher wage growth for years now, and it hasn't uh, quite eventuated. Um, Certainly with the unemployment rate hitting 5%. That's always been the magic number from the Reserve Bank um, perspective. They're hoping that that triggers 
um, a big increase in, in wages um, going forward. That said, if international experience is any guide, um, in the US it took until the unemployment rate was in the low fours before wages began to, to break out in a material manner. So we could still be some way away before wage growth picks up to levels that we were once accustomed to. On the other hand, I mean, we're seeing in the US that unemployment has fallen to its lowest level, I think, since 1969, hasn't it? Absolutely. They're, and, um, and, and their wages have actually risen, started rising. Yeah, it's beginning to pick up in the US. Um, their labor market has been strong for a number of years now, and it's finally translating into higher wages. Their um, monthly, their annual wage growth is up to around 3%. At the moment, so well above where we are, we're still down at about 2.1%. Uh, but hopefully, if what we're seeing in the labour market continues to occur over the next 12 months, um, we could see wage growth begin to pick up to 2.5% and then hopefully um, higher again in the future. And what sectors do you expect that would uh, be happening in? Probably in healthcare? Well, healthcare is one of the tightest industries in Australia and it's the industry with the highest wage growth at the moment. Um, a little bit over 3% in the healthcare sector. We would expect that to continue to increase. Um, there's shortages in, in key personnel in the health sector. Um, nurses, for example, is one of the areas where they're really struggling to fill um, roles at the moment. At the other end of the spectrum, we have the mining sector. Employment in the mining sector has been growing quite strongly over the past year, but that hasn't yet translated into high wage growth. So uh, wages in the mining sector are down around 1.5%. But other sectors uh, probably will continue to struggle, like, for example, retail. Yeah, that's right. Um, and one of the reasons why wages in the retail sector continue to struggle is because youth unemployment remains high. Right? Um, retailers have a great choice in who they, they choose to, to hire because there are so many young people looking for work and that's going to put downward pressure on industry wages. But, I mean, what's happening in the US is probably a good sign for what could be happening in Australia, you, you would say. Um, absolutely. They're probably a year or two ahead of where we are. Um, but it gives some insight into what needs to happen in Australia before we get that wage breakout that we're desperately looking for. Uh, I mean, what what does this mean for the Reserve Bank? I mean, it's kind of a... a, a the unemployment rate might well be below the official forecast, but um, the official levels of unemployment still remain quite elevated, don't they? Uh, yeah, so from a Reserve Bank perspective, they were expecting um, the unemployment rate to be about 5.5% at the end of this year end of this year. So we're certainly ahead of schedule. They're going to have to revise those forecasts. And uh, that will come out in their statement later yes, on. Yes, that's right, in November. Um, but the key from their perspective is these broader measures of unemployment. So the underutilisation rate, for example, which includes not just the unemployed, but also those looking for more hours, that's still at around 13.5%. And that's still very, very high. Um, and until that gets down to 11 12%, um, it's going to be difficult for wages to, to really pick up materially. So the Reserve Bank will be closely watching these broader measures. Right, right. And, uh, and uh, there's also nothing positive about the participation for them because it remains still well above last year, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, the participation rate has actually been really strong over the past 12 months. It's picked up um, quite significantly, driven by younger people re-entering the workforce, old people staying in the workforce, and, and more women finding jobs. So it's been a real positive. Um, it's just that it came off in the last month, which has sort of distorted the unemployment figures to some extent. I anticipate that it'll probably rebound over the remainder of this year, um, continuing that sort of upward trend that we have seen over the past 12 months. So what was the, last, what was the problem over the last month? 
Um, well, one of the, the reasons that's been um, talked about is sample variation, um, which is... <laughs> so this is an ABS issue? This is an ABS issue, um, potentially. So what happens on a monthly basis is that part of the sample goes into the Labor Force survey, the sample comes out, and if the incoming sample is a lot different from the outgoing sample, then it can cause the labour market figures to jump around, and I think that's what we've seen with the um, September data. Uh, it'll hopefully be fixed... Um, over the remainder of this year. So I would expect participation to increase. I wouldn't be surprised if the unemployment rate maybe ticked up to a 5.1 or... Uh, but uh, certainly uh, the RBA is, will be looking at the broader trend before it makes any decision on rates or anything like that. Yeah, that's right. I, I think we're still at least 12 months away from the Reserve Bank considering a rate line. But they do tend to look through the volatility in the month-to-month. David, they'd be looking at the trend in the um, labour market, and the trend is pretty positive. On a trend basis, the employment rate's down to 5.2. Employment's growing at 26,000 people a month, which, and it looks like we'll probably see employment increase by about 270,000 over the past year, which is a pretty solid result. So the Reserve Bank would certainly be happy with how things are going. They'd probably just wish it was happening a little bit quicker. Uh, What impact would this have on inflation forecasts for the RBA? Well... It's, it's a difficult one to answer because I think when they put their forecasts out in November, they're obviously going to lower their unemployment forecast, but I'm not entirely sure they will have increased their, uh, their, their wage forecast, which is going to translate into their inflation forecast. I think they'll be a little bit cautious there. They might, they might bump it up by a quarter percent, but I don't think they're going to push through a big increase in their inflation forecast because if they do that, then there's going to be greater expectations that they move on the cash rate. Uh, but it's likely that the unemployment rate will have to track uh, below the current uh, estimates of the Nehru, for example, uh, before we can expect any impact on wages. Yeah, that's right. The Reserve Bank has said that the Nehru is around 5%. I think they're going to have to revisit that thinking because if international experience is any guide, it's probably closer to, to 4 to 4.5%. I think that's going to be true for Australia as well. Um, and I think that the Reserve Bank is likely to communicate this to some extent in, in future speeches, um, because otherwise, if the unemployment rate does continue to dip down to the, the high fours, there will be that expectation that they will act, and I don't think they're ready to do that. Do you expect the unemployment rate will dip into the high fours? Um, I suspect it will next year. I think over the remainder of this year, though, we could see it actually increase to a 5.1 or a 5.2, and that's purely due to those sampling issues that I discussed earlier. But the sort of employment growth we have seen over the past couple of years, if that continues into 2019, then absolutely I would expect the employment rate to dip below 5%. Well, Callum Pickering, thank you very much for your time. So what's happening in the news? Well, markets have dropped because of global tensions. Markets are being hit from many sides. Fears that the Chinese economy is slowing uncertainty over an upcoming U.S. election, rising interest rates in the United States, and worries that the long U.S. bull market is on its last legs. Rising tensions between the United States and Saudi Arabia, a major world oil supplier, over the death of a Washington Post columnist, Jamal Khashoggi, has also put markets on edge. Saudi Arabia's ability to temper oil prices makes it a huge player in the global economy, and concerns about what's going on in the stock markets and the worries about economic growth have spilt over into the oil markets. Oil prices have been sliding after Saudi Arabia said it would increase production, which would keep world supply and demand for oil in balance. 
oil prices are based on a careful choreography between producers and consumers, with politics, economic growth, weather, accidents, terrorism, and a million other factors affecting oil prices. Now closely followed, Brent crude dropped nearly 3% to below $80 per barrel, a key threshold that signals a plentiful supply, at least for the near term. West Texas intermediate futures were also trading lower at around $68 a barrel. Another factor weighing on the markets is the Federal Reserve's commitment to gradually raising interest rates, which has drawn criticism from President Trump. Presidents historically prefer low interest rates because they help boost the economy and in turn help whoever is in the Oval Office. Rate increases have raised the US 10-year Treasury bond to around 3.2%, its highest rate in years. The 10-year is closely followed because it is another indicator of the economy and the future of the stock market. Higher interest rates on the 10-year could steer away investors who could sell equities in return for the less risky Treasury notes. And the European Union has formally rejected Italy's proposed budget, a highly unusual move that threatens to spark chaos in the Eurozone. Now, Italy's budget proposes increasing both Italy's overall government debt and its deficit in the short run pushing the deficit as high as 2.4% of gross domestic product over the coming years. And that means Italy would fall foul of a previously mandated maximum deficit level of 0.8% of GDP. As a result, the EU decided to reject the proposals. Valdis Dombrovskis, the European Commission Vice President responsible for the Euro, said that Brussels had, in his words, no alternative but to reject the proposals adding that Italy had refused the chance to make changes to the budget. After a letter was sent to Rome late last week, the Italian government, he said, did not change its early conclusions of a particularly serious non-compliance. The European Union has never formally rejected a Eurozone member's budget plans. The Italian coalition government now has three weeks to make changes requested by Brussels, or it risks sanctions from the EU. And the positive momentum the Australian economy enjoyed in the first half of the year now looks to be reversing. And fast. And the worry is that the slowdown is being driven entirely by the services sector, which is the largest employer in the country. The Commonwealth Bank's Flash Composite Purchase Managers Index, or PMI, for September, produced in conjunction with IHS Market, dipped to 51.2 in October. That's the lowest level since the survey began two and a half years ago. Now, this PMI measures changes in activity levels across Australia's services and manufacturing sectors from one month to the next. And the Flash report, released one week ahead of the final report, captures responses from around 85% of all firms surveyed. Based on the early responses in October, the news was not that Flash. Activity levels did improve, but they did so at the slowest pace in over two years. And that indicates a broad loss of momentum compared to what was being reported earlier this year. And sentiment among Australian households plunged last week as another round of political uncertainty weighed sharply on the outlook. The ANZ Roy Morgan weekly gauge of consumer confidence slumped by a whopping 6%. There were heavy falls across all the major sub-indexes. Now it has a reading of 112.3, and this measure has fallen below its long-run average. It now sits at its lowest level in more than a year. And despite the combined negative forces of low wage growth, high household debt, and falling house prices, ANZ's confidence measure has been tracking sideways for a number of weeks. 
However, the Wentworth by-election over the weekend appears to have been the catalyst for a heavy dose of pessimism among households. Demand for big-ticket items such as fridges and furniture has now been in decline for a number of months, and analysts at Morgan Stanley have linked the falls to the ongoing declines in Australian house prices. Add it all up, and the latest result will cast some doubts on the resilience of Australian households amid numerous headwinds, and by extension, the outlook for domestic consumption. And new research from Roy Morgan, using a formula that takes into account household income, costs and mortgage repayments, classifies 20.8% or 949,000 mortgage holders as being in mortgage stress. Now, this is a marginal improvement from 12 months ago when it was 21.3% or 974,000 households. But the current level remains high and it would present difficulties if there was an increase in mortgage rates, an increase in costs or an increase in unemployment. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison is seeking advice on using taxpayer funds to provide discounted loans for new power generation, including new and existing coal-fired energy plants under a new energy package. Following his government's announcement of a default market offer to force down prices, the Coalition has opened consultations on a new design program for baseload generation that could go further than the Australian Competition Consumer Commission's recommendations, and it would fund the extension of existing coal and gas plants. The government will also give energy companies until the 1st of January to reduce prices or face new regulations or even a potential Royal Commission. The baseload consultation processes have been fast-tracked and the government will announce tenders for projects in March 2019. And Australia's startups have become fewer, older and more male, according to an annual survey of 3,476 founders and their service providers. In a sign that the government's 2015 ideas boom has busted, the 2018 Startup Muster report estimated the number of ongoing startups in Australia has fallen from 1,675 to 1,465 since 2017, with the number launched between the current survey and the previous one falling to 712 from 1,291. The survey, which is in its fifth year and is paid for by the University of Technology Sydney, Atlassian, Google, the Federal Department of Industry and NYB, defines a startup as an early stage business that uses technology to capture a large addressable market in a scalable way. The fall in the number of startups was seized on by the Federal Opposition spokesman for the digital economy, Ed Husik, as evidence that the government had abandoned the sector after using it as a political prop before the 2016 election, which saw its majority slashed. And a review has called for tougher fraud controls at the ATO in the wake of the $444 million Plutus tax fraud. And it's called for regular rotation of staff and tougher background checks for job applicants. At the centre of Australia's largest tax fraud case, the Australian Federal Police closed down Plutus Payroll and nine other companies in May 2017, charging 10 people, including the then Deputy ATO Commissioner Michael Cranston, after the eight-month Operation Elbrus investigation. And a Westpac risk manager claims to have been ignored and bullied for raising red flags on alleged shortcomings on a technology project at the bank. The Westpac staff member, who's requested anonymity and has reported the matter to the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority and Safe Work New South Wales, said his treatment was an example of poor risk culture at Westpac. That includes covering up bad news and ostracising staff who raise problems via official reporting channels. An ANZ Banking Group's former Chief Risk Officer said widespread risk management failures at banks around Australia leave the country vulnerable to an economic downturn. 
Mark Lawrence, a veteran risk consultant and ANZ's top risk executive from 1999 to 2004, said most local banks are nearly a decade behind their international peers, transforming risk capabilities and fixing their cultures. He said that until the Hain Royal Commission, there had not been a burning platform to stir reform like the 2018 financial crisis did overseas. And cash converters has settled a class action launched by 30,000 Queensland borrowers for $16.4 million without admitting fault. The payout includes a maximum of $5.8 million in legal costs and an estimated $50,000 cost for the verification of customer data. It was alleged that cash converters effectively charged more than 400% interest per year for one-month loans between April 2010 and June 2013, with some loans attracting rates which exceeded 600%. And this was despite the fact that Queensland had changed its law in 2008, 10 years ago, imposing a cap of 48% annually for consumer credit loans. Morris Blackburn, the lawyers representing the borrowers, claimed the cash converters tried to circumvent the law by deliberately and unconscionably charging excessive brokerage fees for its cash advances. The plaintiff law firm commenced the $17 million lawsuit two years ago in the federal court on behalf of lead plaintiff Kim McKenzie, a carer and disability pensioner. And the Commonwealth Bank has announced a sale of 80% of its Indonesian life insurance business, PT Commonwealth Life, to FWD Group. The big banking group announced a transaction to the Australian Securities Exchange, stating that as part of the deal, CBA's Indonesian banking business, PT Commonwealth Bank, would enter a 15-year life insurance distribution partnership with FWD. And engineering group Wally Parsons is expanding its footprint. It's set to almost double in size after agreeing to acquire Jacobs Engineering's Energy, Chemicals and Resources Division in a $4.6 billion deal. The ASX-listed firm will fund the acquisition through a combination of $2.9 billion entitlement offer, $985 million in stock bonds issued to the US seller, and new debt. Wally Parsons, which has a market capitalization of $4.9 billion, says the deal will create a preeminent global provider of resources and energy services while diversifying its earnings, increasing exposure to more stable revenue streams, and generating significant costs and revenue synergies. The agreement will give Wally Parsons bigger businesses in North America and India and adds another 30,900 employees across 27 countries. And finally, Power network owner Osnet Services has joined with retailer Energy Australia to deliver Victoria's first grid-scale electricity storage project, located at a bottleneck in the transmission grid in northwest Victoria, where a surge in renewable energy generation is raising concerns about grid stability. The 30-megawatt unit, with the equivalent capacity of 6,000 household batteries, is thought to be the first standalone grid-scale storage project in the country, and the first to be owned by a transmission company. It was one of two battery projects in regional Victoria announced in March by the then Federal Energy Minister, Josh Frydenberg, involving up to $25 million from each of the state governments and the Renewable Energy Agency. Now in the final stage of testing, the project has also involved Spotless Downer as a construction contractor, while Global Battery Services provider, Fluence, supplied the storage technology and will provide operational services. The battery is expected to both relieve congestion on Victoria's power transmission grid and store low-cost renewable energy transmission that otherwise might not have been used. And it's also intended to help with security of supply for Melbourne during peak demand in summer and help stabilise the grid. That means less chance of blackouts. 
The project builds on the success of the groundbreaking 100 megawatt Tesla battery installed last year in South Australia at Neon's Hornsdale Wind Farm, providing network security services and grid balancing to allow for the increase of variable renewable energy generation for the supply system. Other large-scale storage projects have since been announced, including a 25 megawatt unit to be installed at Infogen Energy's Lake Bonnie Wind Farm in South Australia. That also involves government support. And that's it for this week. And next week, I have a terrific interview with Maya Myerlim, who runs a company called Sky and Space. And they are putting up nano satellites, and that's transforming the telecommunications industry. In the meantime, you can keep up with me on Twitter at TalkingBizBiZ or on Facebook. Looking forward to bringing you Talking Business next week. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.